Hello everyone and welcome to the True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. This is episode 71 and today we're talking about the pound in your portfolio with the very people who manage the money in your portfolio. Uh, portfolio. It is Paul Durrance, we're joined by George Bell and Jeff Casson as well. Morning everybody, how Morning, are we? Peter. Very well. Enjoying the lovely northeast weather that we're having at the moment? It's glorious, it's a big change for, for what we normally have in the northeast, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it makes it a lot more pleasurable. Well, long may it continue and... Uh, today we're going to be getting into a bit more detail around the markets and we're going to have a little look back on, on May as well. We've got a full month under our belt now, so yeah. we'll, we'll talk about more of that today. I think it's really important for our viewers and our listeners uh, on the podcast that we, we explain a bit more about the psychology and the work that goes on here. So it's great to be joined by uh, all three of you. We can get into some of that discussion today. But maybe, yeah, first of all, do we want to maybe have a little talk around uh, the month of May? We've got, as I say, that full month under our belt now. We can talk about what happened in the markets uh, through the month. So maybe, Paul, do you want to... Yeah, uh, tell sure. us uh, how May ended up. Yeah, it was a very good month. Uh, global equities are at 1.6%. I think investors are really buoyed by the encouraging and improving or resilient economic data that we're seeing, not only within the US, but we're now seeing that broaden out. So we're seeing it in the UK, mm. within Europe and, and other regions. So I think the standout equity market was Europe, up 3.2% in local terms. So that was very, very good. Um, a position that we've been favouring within growth aligned actually. Um, but Europe's been doing well because they've finally been able to get some momentum behind the vaccine um, mm. vaccines. And you've seen some really positive economic data out from some of those southern countries that have been hit hardest over the last 12 months, mm. the likes of Italy, the likes of Spain. So you've seen strong PMI numbers, you've seen strong retail sales in parts. Um, and... and uh, and that's feeding through into consumer confidence. Mm. Uh, and so Europe's been the standout equity region. Um, but other cyclical regions, the likes of Japan, they've done well. They've kick-started their vaccination mm. program after being one of the, the later countries to approve uh, vaccinations. Here in the UK, the UK was up 1.1%. Again, a cyclical region, high exposure to energy. Energy's done very well over the months. Commodity markets uh, uh, and materials have done uh, exceptionally well. Um, in the US, we've seen an interesting dynamic this year where we've seen a bit of flip-flopping between value and growth. This uh, month in May, value's done better. So you've seen energy do well. Um, and so the S&P 500 has perhaps lagged some of the other developed regions. Um, in emerging markets, they were pretty strong as well, at 1.2%, mm. so good in general for, mm. for equity markets. In bond markets, um, investors have been favouring riskier debt, so high yields done well. Uh, emerging market debt in local currency terms has done well, where you've seen strength in EM currencies such as the Brazilian Real, mm. the Mexican Peso, and you've seen some US dollar weakness, which is always so supportive for that, that asset. Um, I think what's interesting is that you've seen inflation expectations pick up during the month. Right. So you've seen some assets such as global inflation-linked bonds uh, do very well. You've seen gold also do particularly well over the month, up 7.6%, uh, which is, is, is an exceptional uh, month. And it's a very volatile mm. asset and perhaps will come on to discuss mm. gold in how that compares with something like Bitcoin uh, later on. But 
in general, very strong month. Seems like it was a strong month pretty much across the across, across the, board. the board. And you yeah. mentioned that the vaccines quite a lot there and vaccination rollouts. Uh, welcome Siri to join the podcast <laughs> as well. So I guess that's the first for the True Potential podcast and probably a first for Siri as well, but uh, that's great. Um, in terms of vaccinations, um, obviously we saw a pickup in the UK uh, in May and, you know, there was a bit, I think there was a bit of a lull in April while we got stocks replenished and stuff, but May it picked up and I was reading that in the, in the EU, as you were alluding to there, they're starting to really begin to roll theirs out now as well. So is it too simple to say that it's all because of the vaccine? Is that why markets and confidence is really picking up? Is, is, it, is it just due to that? Or? I think it's a large part in due to that is because yeah. people are getting confidence to go out and do things. Yeah. And it's allowing, so what we've seen is we've really seen last year strengthen the manufacturing side mm. because that was able to, to, to work its way through the challenges of COVID-19. But as we've moved through that, we've really needed to see the services side of economy mm. starting to, to reopen. And certainly as vaccines have been rolled out, there is a strong correlation with service industries then being able to reopen. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is, is certainly helping mm. not just the UK economy, but economies as Paul's alluded to across Europe and also the very strong performance that we've seen from the US as well yeah. on the services side. So it really is very much, I think, tied into that. Yeah. It's, it's confidence. People want to go out. And does that, to, does to follow, well, following on from that then, if we look at <coughs> going into June, July, obviously there's now a, you know, a real ramping up of second doses and, and more people getting the first. And obviously now I think it's just open to all adults in the UK. Yeah. Obviously then you've got to think about what's happening in America and Europe. But I mean, if the, if the vaccination is, is if you like speeding up or we're getting around more people, do you see that the market still, this, this con confidence that Jeff and Paul have talked about, is that going to continue, do you think, George? Yeah, well, you, you normally have the markets leading the economy by anywhere between three to 12 months. We've been in quite an unusual period where you've mm. had one vaccinations kicking in, but a huge amount of central bank support and mm. government support, which has really turbocharged a lot of that that sort of forward-looking expectation. Where you are seeing it is exactly where, where Paul mentioned, the more economically sensitive areas of the market. Mm. Uh, we saw China come out of the pandemic first. We saw the US uh, follow suit. Now what we're seeing is is the more mm. uh, the, the areas which were perhaps lagging behind, such as Europe, starting to, to catch up in terms of the market performance there. Putting a, a, a document out today, just in, in the weekly roundup, just around the OECD expectations and vaccination was a huge part of, of what they were talking about. They've revised their economic growth expectations up, but what you're still seeing is that differential between the developed world and the developing world yeah. and the need for global cooperation in order to get more vaccinations to the developing world mm. in order for them to cooperate fully in in that recovery mm. they will benefit somewhat from the rest of the world coming back online yeah. trade picking up manufacturing picking up but for global coordination we do need to to to, to resolve the issue of, of, of the lower vaccination rates i think that's it's an interesting world. point that to think about because ultimately a large part of the the emerging market landscape plays into that commodity strength that Paul's alluded to, so that's a positive for, for those economies. But really then to get their domestic economies back working, mm. they need the vaccines in the mm -hmm. same way as, yeah. as developed markets have seen. So I think that is, it's a, it's a challenge for, I suppose, society to think about over the next number of months, how actually we do get sufficient um, vaccines to the emerging world such that they can then see the similar benefits that we've seen of a recovery mm. in our in our services side of things yeah. and, and, and domestic consumption coming through because ultimately that's what's required to bring some self-sustaining momentum yeah. mm -hmm. into those countries. Yes, they can benefit a lot 
from from international recovery mm. but really you want the domestic economy to be starting to to kick on as yeah. well yeah mm -hmm. sure and just to maybe just expand on one thing that, that george said there as well just in terms of that central bank support quite an interesting development this week has been just the fed um stepping back from their corporate bond purchases so if we cast our minds back to to march of of last year the Fed stepped into the corporate bond market when they thought it wasn't functioning effectively. And so they stepped in and they bought corporate bonds. And what we heard from them this week is that they're going to, to stop that. And actually they will be selling those bonds back into the market. So I think that's a an encouraging sign that they see that actually there's health in that, that corporate bond market. We'll have to see how the corporate bond market reacts to the supply that's going to come as a result of that. But really it, it, it does show how Fed stepping in, stabilised the market, allowed that market to evolve. Last year we saw great issuance into the corporate bond market and now stepping back as we're seeing that recovery coming yeah. through. Yeah, I think it's just returning back to normal, which can only be a good thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, But it's one of the reasons we talk a lot on modern markets as an example about central bank statements, central bank reports, uh, the mm. minutes, what we're seeing from that, because it's all about the data, the guidance we're getting, but also the language which is used mm. where people really get a feel for, okay, what's going to happen within the bond markets because that has a, an impact on mm. a lot of other areas. It impacts the way in which you value equities. So yeah. it's it's an important aspect of consideration and one which has been supportive. And just looking at the comments which were coming out from central banks in April and in May, that support continues to be there, um, but in, in areas which are perhaps becoming a little bit more targeted after you've had that initial surge, um, as Jeff mentioned, mm. if they do see the corporate bond sector as an area which can start to survive on its own feet, it can still operate as an efficient market, then they can start to, to taper back mm. their, their intervention there. Good, good. And a good plug for Morning Markets there, well done, George, you're a <laughs> podcast pro. I've got two in there, we've got the weekly article <laughs> in there as well. Um, I'll stick with you because I wanted to talk about how some of that's fed into the portfolio performance. I've said at the top of the, the podcast that it's about the pound in the portfolio, and I suppose for our viewers and listeners it really is. Uh, how does all of that take you know take shape in their in their portfolio? So how, how have they done? Yeah, I mean, it's a great point, Peter. I mean, we do talk a lot about single asset classes. What can we sort of digest from Paul's points there? You know, equities outperforming bonds in general over the month. You've seen the more economically sensitive areas which are, are, are outperforming. You've seen within equities a huge amount of dispersion actually mm. between um, those such as you know tech which was actually negative you had the Nasdaq which was down compared mm. to areas such as you know um, as staples the, the, the areas which are perhaps more um, value driven as uh, to, to the point which Paul made there what does it mean for multi-asset investments if we look at the portfolios for the balance state as an example after portfolio charges that was up 76 basis points or 0 0.76 percent you had the aggressive portfolio which was up 0 0.81 percent so we're generating a positive return there mm. strong return but you know as you would expect when you've got dispersion of markets we see dispersion within the managers that's exactly what we we, we understand we, we we know that that's why we bring about a diversified investment solution and we'll take the viewers to which managers we feel are best suited to the longer term themes one month's you know, a month where we had positive returns, but it's a very short term mm -hmm. period. What are those longer term themes that we're seeing coming through? And it's really just looking in terms of the economic landscape, seeing that recovery driven by vaccination, by central bank policy, looking at um, the, the areas of opportunity. I mentioned markets typically lead in economies by three to 12 months. We've seen some fantastic gains in areas such as the US. So when we get under the bonnet and work with active managers, which we are within the portfolios, 
where are those opportunities and our view on inflation which you know we are seeing increases in supply costs but a lot of that is driven by bottlenecks in terms of demand is massively outstripping supply at this point in time and we've talked about semiconductors we've talked about raw materials and we've seen a lot of evidence of this within the pmi data which we've talked a lot about on on modern markets again this week but if we think about how are we positioned around that i think we are positioned well within the portfolios in the sense that we are emphasizing that 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 view around the more value areas of the market but we keep that balance because those risks of vaccination challenges in terms of central bank policy misstep they haven't gone away so we bring about what we call a diversified investment solution for clients but if i look at the returns in general one of our largest holders within or holdings within the balance portfolio is ubs um, around 17 percent of that exposure they've been well positioned to to capture this type of environment which we've been in so that's been this key sort of drivers i think we're positioned very well within the portfolios Mm -hmm for that but in terms of you know changes which our our investors will have seen over the month we made a change within within the cautious portfolio and we increased exposure to a manager who uses more active equity management within that space why because when you are seeing dispersion it really pays to have that active exposure um, within there so you can really get under the bonnet not just follow the index look at where the opportunities are we see regular inflows coming into portfolios get that money to work and, and, and get it get get it invested. That doesn't mean to say the portfolio stood still over the month. Paul mentioned a great example of a trade which Paul and the team in, in Growth Aligned are doing in terms of expressing that view on European value. You are accessing those higher higher yield opportunities within the Asian high yield market, within the US high yield market, within Allianz, that was another example of a manager who's been active a new position gone on there in terms of US materials from some of the larger cap US parts of the market. Mm-hmm. They're active in the bond space. We talk about bond yields, which have been creeping up slightly. How can you access a, a better return within a sovereign bond market? By pairing up different parts of the period, the term premium, you can look at mm-hmm. different yields in different countries. So they've they've been active there. They took profits on a recent position. That money went straight back into to another allocation, which they mm-hmm. see um, actually on, on the Australian uh, government bond yield. We saw an increase in the copper exposure through one of our managers, so really playing into that theme of increased infrastructure spending in the US. So as you see, China start to mature in terms of the recoveries. They start to taper back some of their lending mm. within the infrastructure sector. You're seeing the potential for the US to come online there. So active, keeping that, that money to work, having stood still, seeing opportunities, if you're an active manager, there can be some great examples of, of opportunities out there and, and we're well positioned to capture I think those. that's the important point, that it's, it's the active management mm. within the yeah. portfolios and what's actually going on below below the hood, if you will, when the fund managers are, are active within them. And really, you, you can think about, yes, equity markets have, have very strong headline returns, mm. but within that, there's been a lot of dispersion yeah. and it is creating opportunity. Mm. And I think, as George has, has rightly pointed out there, there's a lot of activity going on with their managers being very selective yeah. and very specific. The the example that, that Paul mentioned around European value, you can now access that very specifically yeah. through through an ETF, which is is tracking those types of stocks. Sure. So you can get that exposure very quickly mm-hmm. and at a, a relatively low cost within the portfolio. And that's the opportunity that is created by active management. Mm-hmm. Dispersion is good for active management. We've heard yeah. of 
you know, over the past number of years, active managers have certainly struggled in certain areas of the market. When you look at some of the data over the course of, of the year to date, active management certainly within within equity is doing is doing very well because they're able to access some of those value yeah. opportunities that have been exposed by the recovery coming through. So those areas of the market that just have been left behind over the past number of years. We think about energy, we think about materials, we think about the strength that we're seeing in commodities. That's really playing out into areas of the market that people haven't wanted to invest yeah. in, but have now an opportunity has been been yeah. created for them to to exploit within portfolios. And certainly, we're seeing that yeah. with, with our managers. Yeah. And is that I mean, is that the secret of your success then? Because you you know you've got all the, these managers and all the data that comes into you, and of course that, that's what I mean by advanced diversification, right? So we're talking to all these managers, you've got the options, and then the active management aspect that you guys do of that as well, that's what delivers the returns that, that you're talking about. But when we talk about advanced diversification for you know advisors and clients, um, it's just that level of expertise. I always find it fascinating that that's what you guys are, are really plugged into and, and that delivers the results. Oh, definitely. And I think what's great about the team here is that we are having regular conversations mm. about the information that we're receiving, mm. whether it's through Bloomberg or through speaking with managers yeah. uh, that we our strategy partners or external managers mm -hmm. that we perhaps may not be invested in mm -hmm. um, and it's regular meeting uh, discussing views and trying to distill what are those key themes monitoring those key things yeah. and there's slight nuances that we really have to try and pick up on and there where the opportunities mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. yeah it's great because we do have you know regular meetings with the managers and they tend to, to run in in order you know we'll, we'll, we'll sit down with one and then move on to the next and each time you have a call each time you have a, a meeting with the managers you build up a bigger picture in terms of what they're researching and what they're seeing so it becomes a more challenging discussion for the the, the, the manager who's last he gets everything thrown at him but it's because we've been through this huge research process we're not just getting one source of data yeah. here we're getting nine different sources of research internally as well as externally as Paul said yeah. and we're using that not to just take their word for it we're using it to challenge each of the managers yeah. so we can really as Paul said there distill that down into what's important and how we're going to act and do you always keep the same manager last George or do you, do you, we, do you mix we, it up a little we, bit we, we, do, we, do, we do change it up yeah. uh, or, or try to but um, yeah I think the other thing just to, to really build on that is that we actually because there are funds we actually see the action coming through at individual manager level. Mm -hmm. So actually one of the, the interesting thing, having been on the other side of the fence, you can really talk about a really strong narrative mm -hmm. that a fund manager will talk to and they'll say, you know, they'll talk about the backdrop, how they're making changes or thinking about making changes in a portfolio. Sometimes it doesn't come through. But actually, we sit and we look at it each day mm -hmm. to see, well, are they enacting in, in any of those positions that they discussed? And it fed into the, the, the mm. positive or negative yeah, narrative yeah. that they had, and that that's a very powerful thing mm -hmm. to be able to see it being actioned or not. And then, mm -hmm. it, as George is alluding really, to, it gives great, us that challenge. It's a great point, Jeff. I mean, from an advisor's point of view, often what you're trying to do I, from the advisors I talk to and the information I hear from them is you're trying to get your clients to understand that money sitting in the bank in cash is never going to generate any any real growth, uh, and in persuading people to think about an investment and to to think about a long term goal alongside that. And then to and then to know that but that pound or that fifty pound impulse save or whatever that might be that this kind of expertise is going on behind the scenes and looking after that money and looking for opportunities 
is the bit that professors advisors and clients never see, but it's just so reassuring to know that it's going on. And it just happens all the time. Yeah. It's, it's what actually really drives us as a team. Mm. It's to deliver those those returns for the, for the end client because yeah. actually at the end of the day, it's their savings goal that's most important and that's what we're there to help them achieve, mm. to, to, to get a return that is going to allow them to beat inflation. As you say, yeah. leaving money in the bank is not, is not going yeah. to earn that sort of return that people need. Well, you mentioned inflation there and I think, Paul, you mentioned it in your piece at the start as well. It's If you were looking at, I mean, Twitter's never a great place to take a a general view of, of things but if you look at you know bitcoin continues to be all over the all over the, the internet and and twitter and inflation is obviously still a talking point we talked about it every probably every week on the podcast for the last yeah. three or four weeks but it's it's very much still a, a key consideration isn't it certainly it's very much a real real view within in, within markets and a consideration for all of us yeah. when we're, we're thinking about it and really Paul made the, the comment at the start that we've continued to see commodity prices increase and that certainly is, is feeding into this backdrop of, of, of challenges that we're seeing from rising input costs. And over the past past week, and indeed very similar to, to last month, the, the, the PMI numbers, the purchasing managers indices, when you break that down below the headline number that we all focus on, and we look at and we see how, how price is paid, mm. component of that is in, that continues to actually increase. Mm. So there is a real inflationary push coming into um, manufacturing industry definitely. Just explain PMI for people who perhaps don't know what that yeah. means and, and, and what the significance so, of it. So what What's they are, at? they're they're monthly surveys mm. that are taking on both the services industries and in the manufacturing industries. Mm. There's various different components within them in terms of employment, prices paid, uh, inventory levels, etc. And that builds up to bring you an aggregate number. Mm. That aggregate number, if it's above 50, that means it's an expansionary territory, below yeah. 50, contractionary. And what we've seen over the past 14 months is really a massive increase in PMI numbers to levels that you know, I haven't seen in my career, which right. is, is, is quite impressive. Um, so where they are at the moment, and actually even looking at what we saw in the US this week, they moved higher again, which was kind of unexpected. Um, and, and those PMIs, survey-based data that allows you to get a sense of how manufacturing services are really thinking about their operating environment. So for them, the operating environment is good because they're in expansionary territory and it continues to improve. Components of it that are challenging are the prices paid and, and really quite interestingly on the employment side as well and challenges of getting labour, which is quite an ironic thing to sort of say at this point in time given where we know unemployment rates yeah. are. But th there's, there's a number of nuances in that, particularly in the US. We've talked a lot on these um, podcasts and morning markets around the support that's went into the US labour market. At some level, some commentators are suggesting that that's stopping people coming into the labour market mm -hmm. because it's it's more attractive for them to not enter the labour market given the support they've had. So there is two areas potentially to, to think about going forward, that of commodity push inflation coming through. We've also got potentially that maybe in hospitality, for example, mm. that we'll have to see businesses increase wage rates to attract people back into those industries. And that's not just a US phenomenon, it's something that's very evident here mm. in, in the, the UK. There was a KPMG survey that came out yesterday overnight that really talks about the challenge that hospitality itself is facing mm. and the potential that they will need to, to push wages to, mm. to bring people in yeah. to, to those. So inflation is there. Paul also referenced gold. Gold typically your inflation hedge that people use within portfolios at a great month last month so really that concern on inflation hasn't gone away and I don't think we're 
we're closer to, to answering the question, mm -hmm. is it something that's just going to be that word transitory that we hear all of the central central bankers talk about, or is it something that's slightly more longer term that, that we have to deal with? Uh, the, the jury's still out mm. on that one. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Bitcoin as well. You know, people maybe have suggested Bitcoin could be a good inflation hedge. <coughs> um, certainly, uh, with inflation moving up over the past month, it hasn't worked in that way. It's falling, what, some 40, 43% in the course of May. Yeah. So not a great inflation hedge. Well, maybe for five minutes, and then, you know, a different story <laughs> for another five minutes, and who knows what after that again. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a challenging, but a very volatile ride over the course That's of this month. It's interesting over the month that you saw Bitcoin actually fall off. Yeah. But then gold mm. at the same time rallied mm -hmm. and you saw yeah. perhaps institutional mm -hmm. investors mm -hmm. think And why did that happen, Paul? Why why did Bitcoin <laughs> to use your phrase <laughs> fall off? <laughs> I, I don't I don't follow As Bitcoin if there's one single reason. I, I, I think it's um, you know, clearly Bitcoin the price got to a, an extremely high high level in mm. a very short period of time and you know, people become nervous a little bit about mm. where it could go and whether it's a bubble territory mm. and it's just so volatile. Um, but I think to reference something you said earlier, Twitter, yeah. right. and, yeah. the, and the use of that <laughs> by, by certain individuals seems to have the ability, yeah. much as 18 months ago we were talking about the ability of a certain president when he tweeted things mm. to, to move the market quite significantly. Um, there's, there's Elon Musk when he seems to tweet around what's mm. happening with... Uh, Bitcoin or his views on, on, on cryptocurrency, it mm. does seem to have an outsized impact mm. on, on the price. I suppose you also had the Chinese That's come it. out and talk yeah. about the mining of Bitcoin and mm. just how much energy is required yes. to yeah. do that. And yeah. it's just not really good practice. Um, it's also, you know, the PBOCs, the People's Bank of China, are, are sort of working towards their own digital currency um, mechanism, which will give them more transparency over transactions than what they're currently getting within mm -hmm. Bitcoin. So putting a lot of sort of constraints around corporations and their, their usage around mm -hmm. existing digital currencies. So you had that, you had the tweets, for, which we discussed last time we were yeah. on. We talk quite a bit about fundamentals of, of markets and valuation of, of, of stocks, valuations of, of bonds. A big driver of, of investment markets is also behavioral finance and herd immunity. Um, yeah. There is definitely herd immunity um, behind Bitcoin, which is you know the momentum which is gathered from social media platforms. We were just talking at the desk before we came in about you know it's been a well a, clearly a very volatile month for Bitcoin, and in the trade press, in you know the, the a lot of the the reports which we we see, Bitcoin isn't a huge factor of of, of the conversation. It is definitely there. It's something we're very aware of and, and discuss on a regular basis. But it appears in in more social media type type yeah. platforms and channels. Mm. Well, let's let's stop talking about Bitcoin before we move the price ourselves <laughs> any anymore. Um, I want to talk about the UK because I, I was reading in the week that um, the, there's a lot of confidence around the UK and you know, where we're heading as a country and all the rest of it. But but actually, if anything, perhaps not enough confidence. And it, it, do you see that, Paul? Do you see that the UK is in terms of investment into the UK and just the UK economy? I, I think the things have shifted for the UK and yeah. there is certainly a lot more positivity when we're speaking to our managers, people mm. allocating more to the UK and mm. we've seen the UK do well over the months. Uh, I think what's positive is clearly the vaccination programme has been a success mm -hmm. um, and we're now reopening, pubs are opening, restaurants are opening. 
Um, but confidence is, is coming through. Consumer confidence has been uh, accelerating quite materially. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, people are willing to go out and spend. And you've mm-hmm. seen that in the latest retail figures yeah. over the month, up 9.2%, twice as much as what, what was forecasted. Um, and therefore, businesses are looking to match demand by hiring more staff. Mm-hmm. And to what Jeff was uh, mentioning earlier, is that they're struggling really to find mm-hmm. the right staff. You know, mm-hmm. people over the past 12 months have, who have been unfortunate, been made redundant or uh, made furloughed, have looked to perhaps retrain uh, and mm-hmm. take a different avenue mm-hmm. and a different career path. So therefore, they're they're having to push up wages, which mm. we're seeing some tentative signs of higher wages come mm. through. Looking at the figures, it's still pretty pretty much too early to draw firm conclusions on that. But if people are going back into the workforce, higher wages are coming through, mm. confidence is high. They're more likely to continue to spend not only on sure. products but also services. Uh, and so, you know, we, we expect that um, to main, be maintained going forward. Um, and I think what's interesting is that you've seen the strength of the pound. Um, so the improvement in sentiment mm. uh, is, is helping the pound and that strengthened against the US dollar, Japanese yen materially year to date up 10% against the Japanese yen, yeah. but also against the euro. Um, so I think it's... It, something has changed for the UK and I think just in our general conversations there's certainly a more positive spin mm. which is good yeah. news. George was there any um, sort of negative or sense, uh, setback this week uh, obviously the, there's a bit of debate around whether we're going to have this full unlocking on the 21st of, uh, of June or whether it's maybe going to get delayed a little bit did, did that any have any effect on well, the sentiment of markets? It, it, it always has a, it, it, anything to do with the reopening of economies because it's mm. such an important aspect of getting service industries back online and mm. um, it, it's always going to have a bearing in terms of, of, of people's thinking so anytime you know we saw that huge rush of momentum when you had vaccinations improving and then whenever you get a delay or, or setback the market does take that adversely now what we are seeing is is a program which is continuing at pace so you're over you know 60 percent of the uk population have received at least one dose yeah. of, of, of the vaccine at this point in time so um you know it, it, it does have a bearing on, on people's thinking at this point in time um it, it can be seen to be putting a bit of wind in the sails um the way in which the program's going mm, sure good oh, well. i wanted to ask about if there is uh, greater um if you like confidence and um appetite for, for investing in, in the uk does that do you do would you see that jeff as manifesting itself in the FTSE 100 or the more domestic 250 or is it is it just in, across the board? I think it's probably across the board right. for, for two reasons. One, that if we look at the structure of the, the large cap, the FTSE 100, as you, as you mentioned, that's very much tied into global economic recovery. So we do have a large weighting within that, that index to the likes of energy, to the commodities, so metals and mining schemes, but also to financials. So in totality if we're seeing a better economic environment globally mm. one would expect the, the FTSE 100 to benefit from that now the one sort of swing and roundabout from that is because it's much more tied to the global economy the strength of sterling is a negative for, for the earnings environment for those companies when you translate it back thinking then about that broader the FTSE 250 is very much more exposed to the domestic economy and that's that's an area that should 
all in all likelihood be benefiting from that. And we've certainly seen that coming through over over the past number of months. I think the other two points maybe to add around just the UK is is thinking about what international investors are doing. So one of the things that when we get to the end of the, the end of this month and when we look at international portfolio flows, mm. it'll be very interesting to see if we've seen international allocators maybe allocating a little bit more to the UK and that's certainly coming in in terms of fund flow. So that would be one one data point that certainly is, is definitely worth looking at over the, the, the coming months to see that's coming through. And then you've also got corporate activity. So we've seen a lot of, of corporate activity within the, the UK market with both private equity and international companies coming in and acquiring UK assets. So a real indication that there is undervaluation there that companies are seeing they're trying to exploit something that could be you know, accelerated as we see the ongoing recovery yeah. of, of the UK at a discount to, to other areas in which we can invest. Yeah, and we've talked about jobs, you know, and the impact of that, not just on this podcast, but on recent podcasts as well. There were some jobs reports out, I think, in May as well, which also looked, you know, very favourable and very positive. And that's part of your thinking as well, Paul? Oh, yeah, it, it, you know, that's just one key element that's mm. playing into the a, mm. a very big picture. Um, and, yeah, we're seeing encouraging data coming through uh, in the US and the UK, um, we had some data out yesterday where the initial uh, jobless claims, so those people in the US claiming for unemployment benefits actually fell below 400,000 for, for the first time. So things are getting back to normal. Mm. Uh, and therefore, if unemployment is coming down, people are thinking about, and there's hiring difficulties, people are thinking about higher wages as well. Mm. So an interesting kind of I think that's an interesting point and today's a, an important day in terms of the US uh, jobs print for May but in terms of as we lead up to that you know that that's a great example of sort of evidence which we're seeing in terms of the US labor market and the health of that so you saw you know initial claims which is people going to to, to claim support for for the first time as Paul said coming in at around 385,000 so below that 400,000 mark but in terms of is this a one off or is it part of a longer term trend if you look at the four week moving average there you can see that that's actually coming in some 30,000 lower on a on a four week moving basis but mm. that headlines do focus quite a bit on initial claims now you've still got around 15 million people in the US currently claiming some sort of unemployment support or unemployment support top of some some sort of additional benefit now that, that that's still a very high number so it demonstrates that you know support is still needed but it's still demonstrating a positive direction of travel. Mm. That number is around half what it was this time last year. So in terms of, you know, in, what does that mean? It, it means, well, if we do see the employment reports coming out today, which are better than anticipated, then what does that mean for central bankers and their targets around full unemployment or full employment, I should say, mm. In inflation and does this mean we're moving closer towards those goals and then how will that factor into central banks thinking around their need for intervention um, or does it disappoint and acknowledge the fact that central banks need to remain uh, supportive as they are it's certainly going to be an interesting day because the, the the employment report for for last month when it came out in the us was so far off beam in terms yeah. of the the expectations that economists had yeah. for the jobs that were going to be added versus what ended up i think was it 200 odd thousand or something were yeah. added and expectations were for a million so we're, we're well off beam there so let's see what we get today with the, the adp report yesterday which 
historically used to be a very good indicator of, of what the actual trend would be from the, the Bureau of Labour and it, it suggested that I think around 960,000 jobs have been added in the month of May so if we get a similar report to that from from the, the Bureau of Labour today it should be a positive from that economic yeah. recovery but as George mentions there the key point in it is is really the participation rate are more people coming back yeah. into the labour force yeah. um, that's what we need to see and is that and just finally is that the main thing you'll be looking for this month or in June looking ahead to the next few weeks is that is that what's square in front of you or what else what else are you looking out for I think it's 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 important to see it today because it will certainly really feed into sentiment mm. it'll feed into sentiment around inflation it'll probably feed into how the bond market reacts to it and by virtue of that what happens in, in equity markets so we'll certainly look for that today but it's only one number mm. and as we said the economists have been very wrong in, a, in quite a few of these numbers over the past number of months so we'll not focus too much on it but it is is a good indicator for us mm. to, to look at but like like everything as we, we talked about at the start there's so many data points out there that that we look at as a, as a team which we discuss with our, our manager partners and others that it's really about bringing all of that together and putting it together as a mosaic and thinking about well what does that all mean and how does that influence how we position the portfolio so we're never positioned for one one event it's much more using that that diversification theme that we have mm. and thinking about where are the, the individual opportunities within that yeah good well it's good to know that you are on the money literally and uh, and in any other sense as well so i think it's been a really interesting discussion this morning so thanks very much for that and i think for advisors and clients watching as i say you know we don't we don't want to know necessarily need to know the workings of it out you just need to know that when you put that pound in you've got guys who know what they're doing behind the scenes looking after that money and i think it's perfectly clear that you are uh, on the ball so uh, thanks very much for that thank you jeff thank you george thank you peter thanks paul and for siri for making an appearance today as well <laughs> so that was an extra little added bonus but thanks also for watching and uh, as george mentioned i think three times in the podcast today morning markets don't forget that one as well because you can keep up to date with everything uh, on a daily basis as well so until the next time on the podcast it's bye for now subscribing to true potential youtube channel is quick and easy simply go to your youtube app on your phone type in true potential and press the red subscribe option you'll then be notified as and when new videos are released.